You are listening to ReachMD, the only source for medical education and information that is on air, online, and on the go. Welcome to the Connect Dialogues, women's health education on ReachMD. Through the Affordable Care Act, millions of insured women are now being presented with additional choices when it comes to their preferred method of birth control. How will this ability to evaluate birth control options without major differences in cost change the field of women's health? You're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz. Joining me today is Dr. Mary Jane Minkin. She's a clinical professor of obstetrics and gynecology at Yale University School of Medicine. Dr. Minkin is also co-author of A Women's Guide to Menopause and Perimenopause and The Yale Guide to Women's Reproductive Health. Dr. Minkin, welcome to the program. Dr. Matt, thanks for having me join you. Pleasure is all mine. So let's, let's start from the beginning. What is the contraceptive mandate of the Affordable Care Act? Well, I mean, obviously nobody knows 100% what's going to be enacted, but the understanding of the gynecological community is that all women are going to be able to have access to reproductive health care, uh, including contraception. Uh, and this is obviously something that's extremely important. Also, I mean, besides contraception, I mean, that's, that's certainly a good part of it. But for example, things like annual health care visits, which are extremely important, preconception counseling. So for a woman who's planning a pregnancy to see a health care provider before or she starts getting pregnant, planning in advance, which is fabulously important. Uh, and all these things we all think are going to have very favorable impacts on women's health. So what do you think that that means when we talk about that impact? What do you think that means on the ground level for healthcare providers? Well, I mean, obviously we're going to be a little busier, but I think that's okay because we need to get our health care out to women. Uh, and, you know, we really think that women should be coming in regularly for health care. I mean, obviously there's been some controversy these days as far as how often women need to have pap smears and things like that. But I don't think anybody argues the fact that women should have access to health care providers to give them information um, and to take care of their, their reproductive health. I mean, one of the things that's really astounding to me as a health care provider in the United States is that the United States has the highest unintended pregnancy rate of any first world country. And it's just amazing that indeed in a country such as the United States, that half of the pregnancies that women experience are unintended, unplanned pregnancies. I mean, it's just astounding. And what's even more astounding or equally astounding, whatever, is the fact that of the half of the pregnancies that are, quote, unquote, unintended or unplanned, that in half of those women say that they were using a method of contraception. Now, obviously, they were using a method of contraception that didn't work for them, so there may have been something in the method they were using that was not reliable, or it may have been something in their use of the method that made it unreliable for the woman, something she didn't feel comfortable with using on a regular basis. And so this is sort of scary information, I think. And one of the things that I think that's going to happen with the Affordable Health Care Act, with women having access to health care providers to do contraceptive counseling, is to be able to get women information and to get them effective methods of contraception that they can use and not, you know, not have a cost barrier in there for their choices. So I think that's extremely important. Well, you said earlier on that it's going to clearly make healthcare providers busier. It's going to provide a little bit more work on them. Let's elaborate on that. What do you think that is going to entail as far as uh, having these new options accessible and more counseling uh, needed to be able to take down some of the outcomes that you've noticed about our country in particular? What do you think is going to be required of us? 
Well, I think eventually what's going to happen is we're going to have to start training some more people. Um, and, for example, one of the things in our business, training some more mid-level providers, I think is going to be very helpful. I mean, there are some really fabulous women's healthcare nurse practitioners, nurse midwives, um, who do very valuable work in this area and can work quite effectively with OBGYNs and other primary care folks to provide counseling and care for women. And let's talk a little bit more about those different levels of providers. Who else is going to be engaged in this? Who's going to be tapped out? Who's going to be needed uh, the most as far as um, making use of the services that are now going to be accessible? Well, we're certainly going to need, you know, good OBGYNs, you know, to, to be advising and teaching uh, and primary care folks out there, too, at the physician level. Uh, and I'm hoping that in, you know, training and teaching uh, nurse practitioners and nurse midwives, they'll get some of us involved in helping give them experience. But also, you know, the nurse midwifery programs and the nurse practitioner programs, advanced nurse practitioner programs are going to, you know, I know I hopefully be able to rise to uh, training uh, some excellent uh, mid-level health care providers. And you said that more options are going to be accessible and available and cost will not be an option anymore. Do you see any downsides? I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of upsides in this in this new contraceptive mandate. Are there any costs, other, or other sort of costs that might uh, prove to be consequential in this case? I really don't think so. I mean, for example, um, you know, one of the things that in contraception, and I think ultimately in cost, it's going to turn out to be a lot less expensive. But for example, let's take something like, you know, IUDs. Um, which have a high cost up front, you know, for insertion um, as far as just getting the device and stuff like that. But when you, you know, basically cost it out, for example, something like a Paragard IUD, which lasts for 10 years, can give a woman contraception for 10 years. If you amortize it over the time frame, it turns out to be extremely cost effective and will provide extremely reliable contraception because this is a method a woman doesn't have to think about. I mean, this comes under the aegis of LARC is what the acronym is that we use these days, long-acting reversible contraception. But this is something that's it's really accessible. If the woman can have this covered, she can have it inserted, and she can get contraception for 10 years if she so desires it, which is terrific. And then the other advantage of having something like this, and again, in the context of the Affordable Care Act, I think, is let's say the woman now is in a situation she's had her IUD in for five years or whatever. Now she's deciding she's settling down and is ready for a pregnancy. Well, she can then go in, have a health care provider visit paid for, that she can sit down, meet with her health care provider. They can discuss planning for the pregnancy that she's hoping to have, you know, and then they can start talking about making sure the woman is doing proper nutrition, exercise, smoking cessation, avoiding alcohol, drugs, et cetera, and then get on folic acid and then take out the IUD. So all of this stuff, you know, will turn out to make for healthier babies. A planned pregnancy is always healthier than an unplanned pregnancy. Um, and that, you know, this all will be covered. And I think that in the long long run, this is going to save everybody a lot of money and, most importantly, be really helpful for getting out healthy kids. It's an important point to make. I mean, you're saying here that through this legislative act, there's going to be an upfront benefit, but really the long-term impact is going to be that much more positive. Is what is your perspective? Absolutely. I mean, you know, again, there are many, many studies that have been done, you know, Population Council and a lot of other groups, you know, Family Planning, Guttmacher, have, have really shown that the cost of unintended pregnancies is tremendously high in both human issues and financial costs. 
Um, and if we have, you know, I mean, I think the goal is a gynecologist. And I, I just very have a simple mantra when people ask me what a gynecologist do. My statement is I hope to help people have babies when they want to have babies and have them not have babies when they don't want to have babies. And it's sort of simple, but that's really what we do a lot of. And if we can have every pregnancy a planned pregnancy, that's fabulous. Let me change gears for a second and talk about the contraceptive options themselves. What are those options available? Sure, we have, and again, this is something that's nice, and again, women need counseling, they need time to sit down with a healthcare provider and discuss the options. And of course, there are, and again, you have to individualize care, and this is something that's so important. You know, I do a lot of menopause counseling, and one of the mantras is individualization of care. Well, it's equally important for contraception. You've got to individualize care. What is the patient wanting to do? Does she want hormonal methods? Does she want non-hormonal methods? Does she want a method that she's got to make some input every day? Does she want a method that she doesn't ever have to think about? Does she want a method that she uses every time she has sex? These are all things you need to individualize. So, for example, birth control pills, terrific option, lots and lots of pills out there, which have, you know, different effects, side effects, et cetera. Um, but the thing, and, and again, cost will become much less of an issue with the Affordable Care Act, which I think is terrific. Um, but one of the problems with birth control pills is you have to have a motivated woman who's ready to say, yes, I'm going to take this pill every day. And there have been studies out, for example, on birth control pills, which are sort of embarrassing to me in a sense as a woman, um, where the average number of pills missed per cycle in some of these studies is four. You know, it's like four, you're missing four pills of the cycle. Well, no wonder we have unplanned pregnancies for women who are quote unquote taking birth control pills. So that's one method out there. Of course, I already alluded to something like IUDs and there are, you know, a couple of really terrific IUDs available on the market, which come under the aegis of long acting reversible contraception, which yes, again, and we talked about the cost issue, but hopefully that will now become much less of an issue that if a woman says, hey, that sounds like a good method for me, she sees her healthcare provider. You know, she or he pops in an IUD, which, depending on the, the variety, lasts for five or ten years. And this is extremely reliable contraception. We're talking 99%. Um, and one, one is hormonal, one's not hormonal, but there are varieties for everybody um, and provide very excellent contraception and something you don't have to think about on a regular basis. Now, some people say, nope, that's not for me. I don't want something in my body. Okay, well, we have, or I don't want something in my uterus. Well, we have other, like, for example, implants, contraceptive implants that go, you know, under the skin and the arm. Let's say somebody doesn't want to touch your reproductive area. Well, those last for three years and give you extremely reliable contraception. And again, with the upfront cost taken away, it becomes very, you know, cost effective, you know, for the patient. So we have those kind of methods. Now, of course, the other thing that we as healthcare providers spend a good deal of time in gynecology counseling saying, you know, these methods are very lovely and fabulous, but they're not going to protect you from sexually transmitted diseases. So please, you know, my, my typical lecture to my patients can, you know, concludes with condoms, 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 because we want everybody preventing uh, STIs. Um, but, you know, we have all those as options as well for people who prefer just doing a barrier method. But again, there are ways to use them more effectively. And again, with a contraceptive visit with a healthcare provider, you know, the patient can learn a lot more about this and how, how she must practice. And just to be clear again, when we're talking about all these options that you just mentioned, they are all in the same spectrum now, all equalized as far as their upfront costs from this mandate? 
Well, again, this is all stuff that we are waiting to see worked out here, of course. Um, but the, the, our understanding is that all contraceptives, I mean, basically, now not every single brand of pills is going to be covered. I mean, there are some issues there that some brands will be covered, some won't, and stuff like that. And this is sort of, you know, I guess insurance shenanigans, things like that. Um, but basically, all the different methods should be covered. So pills should be covered, IUDs should be covered, uh, implants should be covered. So, yeah, I mean, so we, sh- we should have all these methods covered officially. That's interesting. You know, there are some types of contraception, some some options, which don't really come up in certain practices because of perhaps the patient demographics, because of the access, because of uh, what the affordability uh, is among their patient populations. And uh, one of them that I'd like to talk about since we're talking about some of these expanded options is IUDs, which is now, as you're saying, uh, potentially going to be on the market at a, at the same price level uh, for people and perhaps more will have access to it. But there are a lot of concerns about IUDs among patients and misconceptions when it doesn't come up as much in practice. Um, One of them would be the pain of insertion. Another one would be the risks of uh, them getting moved accidentally. And perhaps another is a possible side effects. I mean, how do you address some of these concerns in your practice? Very good question. And, you know, of course, that some people have some memories of uh, IUD adventures from, you know, uh, 40, uh, 50 years ago, things like that that they were concerned about. And the IUDs that are available today are uh, are pretty darn good, you know, as far as what we have available. Um, a couple of things. Is it uncomfortable going in? That's a little bit, but it's not terrible. And, again, we tend to encourage our patients to take something like some ibuprofen or, you know, proxen or something like that before the insertion to minimize discomfort. Uh, many of us will also have the patient put in the IUD right around a period when the cervix may be a little more dilated to make it a little less uncomfortable for the patient. But again, the, and again, if you have a good practitioner helping talking somebody through, um, they usually do pretty well. I mean, you know, patients do pretty well. And again, particularly with the understanding that, hey, I put this in, I'm going to be good for 10 years or I'm going to be good for five years. That's, you know, I think psychologically a good thing to have in back. Are there potential risks to say perforation of the IUD? Yeah, but they're pretty small. Um, you know, and once the IUD is in place, it really doesn't tend to migrate terribly far. Um, the other thing that I think that we can safely reassure people um, is with the IUDs we have available these days, um, you know, with the Paragard, with the Morena system, that indeed there's a very small risk of uh, infections. And indeed, there is a slight increased risk of infection right around the time of insertion. For example, these three weeks around the time of insertion is what's usually quoted in the literature. Again, not a huge risk, but a slight increased risk. However, once you get beyond that three-week time frame, there really is no significant increased risk of, of PID, of pelvic inflammatory disease. Now, of course, people with IUDs can get gonorrhea just like anybody else can. <laughs> so, again, comes up the condom, condom, condom warning, um, you know, with uh, non-monogamous situations. Um, but basically, as far as the intrinsic risk from, from PID, it's pretty darn small. I mean, once you get beyond that three-week period, there's really no significant increased risk. It's an excellent review. Any final thoughts or comments, Dr. Minkin? Well, I think the important thing, you know, for, you know, for, I, I know some of my colleagues are anxious, you know, about the, some of the provisions of the Affordable Health Care Act. And I think that for the OBGYN world, that this is going to be a pretty good thing for our patients. And I think ultimately, you know, in the, in the, and again, it's not even the terribly long run, I think in the, in the fairly short run and in the long run, this is going to prove to be very affordable uh, because this is going to really, you know, improve outcomes for our patients, you know, and again, help keep people not getting pregnant when they don't want to be and help to 
get people pregnant when they do want to be, and again, providing things like preconception counseling and things and getting people on folic acid and stuff like that before they get pregnant, which in the long in the long run is really going to end up with you know much healthier kids. It's been an excellent discussion. My guest has been Dr. Mary Jane Minkin, and we've been talking about the Affordable Care Act and its impact on women's health. Dr. Minkin, thanks again for your time today. Oh, thanks so much, Dr. Matt, for having me join you. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz. Be sure to visit us at ReachMD.com to access this program and many others. And thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Connect Dialogues, women's health education. If you missed any part of this program or would like to hear more like it, visit www.reachmd.com forward slash connect dialogues.